0: He's not, I don't think he even has headphones on. Oh, he does have his headphones on.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we're simplifying the good life. I'm Guthrie Straw. And I'm Aaron Flores,
0: broadcasting from our homes in Portland, Oregon, nestled in the heart of Cascadia.
1: This is the show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way.
0: Covering bicycling, trains, transit, adventures, and life hacks. And today, tool time. You remember that guy that did that thing? You know?
1: Yeah, what a terrible <laughs> shit. I gotta go watch that again now.
0: <laughs> uh, no, you don't. No, you don't. It's, it's, oh, okay. it's an awful show.
1: <laughs> you mean I'm not Tim the toolman Taylor?
0: You are you are not.
1: I oh, imagine that's right.
0: I I I apologize to anybody named Tim who during the what what was that? The nineties, early two thousands? Like was was nicknamed the tool man because of that.
1: Hmm. I don't know. That was one of the shows that we got on three channels that we had out <laughs> in Eastern Oregon. <laughs> Many hours of, of entertainment was had. So arr, we, arr,
0: yeah. Yeah. I'd be lying to say I never,
1: all right, I, I'm stopping now.
0: <laughs> it's, it's also a show that did not age well.
1: Oh God. Yeah. I can, I can imagine. <laughs> I can totally imagine. It's no fresh prince of Bel Air. We'll put it that way.
0: That's right. Now that's a show that aged well.
1: Well, yeah, it's uh, the three of us today, and um, we thought we'd talk a little bit about tools because they are useful things to have when you are working on a bicycle We're doing bicycle maintenance. Um, but before we jump into tools and all of our listener and watch your questions um it's been a while aaron what have you been up to how's your week going
0: uh not too bad today is spring break Whoa. yay i'm going to florida no i'm just kidding don't stay home, well, they, home they, everybody they florida <laughs> florida should have been closed a long time ago all apologies to everybody in florida It it's got to be tough having all these visitors come down to your state uh yeah, so it's it's spring break for Portland Public Schools, which means really not a whole lot has changed because we have we haven't gone back to in person schooling yet, uh, but we will come next Monday, so that'll be fun. Uh, I did go on a pretty nice ride today, a little over twenty miles, I think. Nice. I think the final count was twenty three. I don't know; it's someone else is tracking that I'm going by. But, um, we went all over, uh, south from here, uh, almost still Milwaukee, not quite. And then back around up to the top of Mount Tabor and then, you know, back home. Uh, funny tidbit though, our max elevation was 666 feet. Which I'm suspecting was when we were at the to- top of Mount Tabor. So, anybody uh, want to weigh in on that, <laughs> or I'll just leave it open. <laughs>
1: what What do you want us to weigh in about, Aaron? <laughs> <That's> about right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Top of Mount Tabor, six hundred sixty-six feet.
1: The city of Portland is, uh, sh- the city of Portland's like at a hundred something feet. It always surprised. I always think it's in like the two or three hundreds, but let me. Actually, it's probably like fifty feet. I'm gonna look this up while Aaron yeah. talks more about. Okay. Spring break. So, there's let's, 100, let's, 192 meters.
0: This this uh, what meters? <laughs> um, fifty. Along feet. with that, fifty feet. Like Portland is fifty feet in elevation,
1: according to uh, search engine starting with the letter G which will remain unnamed (laughs)
0: because they're not giving us money to give them free advertising Uh, also in the meantime uh, if we're talking about numbers my elevation gain it says is 1,236 feet and my elevation loss is 1,253 feet and I don't mention this like hey check out my elevation gain because it's really not that much I'm mentioning this because my elevation loss is greater than my elevation gain, which does that mean I was below sea level at one point? Was I underwater and just not notice? That how how do these numbers work? Did
2: you start and just, the same place?
0: I did oh. at my home. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it, it was
2: from the, it right. the top of the driveway to the bottom of the driveway.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this is someone else's computer, like their their tracking app that they were using. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe did it's, you, uh, maybe it started like at the top of the driveway and then ended at the bottom of the driveway. Yeah. When I did you
1: visit your back. neighbor for barbecue between rides?
0: I did not.
1: <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> well, I've, would, I'm, that I'm coming me up to sea
0: <laughs> yeah I don't know I just thought that was a funny tidbit I'm sure people who listen who know they, these things more than, more than we do would love to weigh in on that so feel free our email is thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com um, I did not go in but I did go by our nationally recognized top beer bar in Oregon and our beverage sponsor the beer mongers on Southeast division and 12th,
1: where there's a stick on the wall there and on the ceiling, on the ceiling, on the, <laughs> well, depending on how much beer you've had, it's on the wall, but, uh,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: we, we just won't go there. Um, yes, I, I too stopped by the beer mongers earlier this week. I'm drinking a skunk I think that's how it's pronounced boneyard IRA. <laughs> and it is a libtech. Something I'm, I don't want to give them free advertising either, but it's an IPA and it's got kind of a like crusty logo that um, kind of makes me feel weird, and so I chose it because uh, you know it's all about it's all about the logo. Yes. The beer can be bad, but if he has a good logo, then at least you got a good logo on your beer. It's it's a good beer.
0: Yeah. What you got in front of you, Armando?
2: Oh, I started out with a beer, but it, it was. It did not taste very good, so I did. I got rid of it.
0: Oh yeah, he down, said down, he said, down the drain. Yeah, it was
2: uh, awful. Um, and that, I'm not. I'm not drinking too much yet from my uh, my whole thirty. So oh, that's right. This I think I've had two beers since.
0: No alcohol on whole thirty.
2: So, if I want to, if I'm going to have a beer, I want it to be a really good beer. Right.
0: Um. I'm not going to ask you like who made the beer but i am curious as to what kind of beer it was
2: i believe it was an ipa
0: oh it looked dark for an ipa but very, maybe it was just it was the lighting it
2: was very bitter and bitter in the sense of not good tasting
0: ah uh,
1: i think there's a fair range for like personal preference within ipas so you know it's okay to not like it and conversely other people might really like it I'm going to ask you off the air what, what it is. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm curious,
0: but I I also like, you know, I don't want to give anyone any bad press and it's all, it's all up to preference. Guthrie, what have you done this week?
1: What have I done? Um, I've been doing a lot of bicycle riding. Um, I also, recently moved and so I'm just kind of like settling into a new place still and playing the I don't know the the career change game once again uh so that's always (laughs) fun and uh things are going well so I hope to hear some good news by the time that our listeners hear this recording Uh, but otherwise I have been playing a lot of bike tag and bike tag for those if who don't know what that is um, is at bike tag.org and the closest approximation of it i can say would probably be that it's like a geocaching with bikes Um, and portland recently turned over tag number 400 so uh, there's a local here in town who helps run the bike tag game for portland and several other cities and so we With masks on and in a socially distant manner, Uh, my partner and I met up with them and we grabbed TAG 400 together and that was super fun. So learned like a little bit about the history of bike tag and also um, got to meet a person who's very responsible for bringing that all together. Uh, And that was really great. So it's been kind of fun. I think um, bike tag in Portland is like pretty chill compared to Seattle you basically go and take a photo where the last person took a photo of something that you recognize and then you place it in a new location. And apparently Seattle has people like overlapping three, four or five tags per day. And Portland seems to be like up to three times a day if it's really kicking, but mostly it's like two or three per week. Um, So it's Portland style, but uh, yeah, that was super fun. And other than that, I've just been working on projects and, um, yeah, just getting situated here. It's, it's funny. It's the 22nd, and um, it feels like it's still, like, the third of this month yeah. or something like that. This month is really just blown by.
0: <laughs> yeah, I agree.
2: So, Guthrie, when you say that it's, um, Bike Tag is like geocaching, so when I look at the photo that's on the Bike Tag Portland page, Am I getting a clue of where that is by a geotag?
1: Um, no, not necessarily. Okay. I, think, I think there's like the context clues. So the similarity I'd offer with geocaching is like once you get within 15 or 30 feet, typically there's a clue that's like, hey, um, look for a ledge. Underneath the ledge, there's a, a rhyme that indicates that you need to like pull a log back and, you know, look for the cache inside the log. Um, And with bike tag, there are hints that people can give. And typically hints are like a neighborhood or cross street or something that's like thematic or related to the content of the photograph. And I think it's like a pick your own adventure. Like some folks really put a lot of time and effort into creating uh, elaborate tag hints like my partner and I really like to do rhymes with the tag and that like incorporate local, uh, local history and like factoid type stuff. Uh, and then other folks are just like, it's at division and 30th. And you're like, sweet, <laughs> that's at division and 30th. <laughs> so, you know, you're it, you're like, down, it like choose, your, choose your own reasons. adventure. Yeah. Um, but you know, sometimes I, I know I've spent, I think enough time in Portland, um, between like my partner and I that we often can see it and I like, guess, but the way I think of it is there's different like levels of difficulty in hints. So I like to aim for like a level two or level three hint. And that's essentially that like, unless you knew it right off the bat, there would be a context clue within the photograph or a context clue within the hint that if you're good at search engines, you could probably find what we we're like trying to hint at. And then, um, you'd be able to like cross-reference that with some other piece of information to be able to find the location. Um a level three would be like esoteric knowledge or like I don't know, something that's like lesser known but still a good hint for folks who like know that information. But if you didn't know that, then maybe it's like a little bit more buried. So I usually like to go level two where it's not like super obvious, but um I try to keep Like the ball in play is kind of how I call it. And to keep the ball in play, you don't want it to be like a hit-yourself-on-the-face obvious tag unless it's something that's like super well-known like the Tillicum Crossing, for example. People could probably find that no matter what your tag is or what your hint is. Um, But yeah, I like to to reward like two layers deep so that uh, folks who are old-time players have to work a little bit and folks who are new-time players can still get it. Uh, they've just got to think a little bit creatively about how to go about that. Got it.
0: And your bike has to be in the picture, right?
1: Yeah. uh, All bikes, no people. You can actually submit... Ah. uh,
0: What if someone's, like, walking in the background?
1: uh, I was talking with um, Ken, who's one of the folks who helped create the current bike tag system, and they're going to start using a machine learning AI to uh, crop people out, very similar oh. to how you would see in like Google Maps, or I mean, the thing that starts with the G maps, uh, <laughs> you know, you can't see people's faces. Yeah. Yeah, He wants to use the same technology for Bike Tag. And so, in theory, it would be a game that anybody can play and um, stay as anonymous as they want, not only from a player standpoint, but from a pedestrian and like viewer onlooker standpoint as well. Uh, Privacy is like a really big core component anonymity is a core component of the game um so there've been cases where people have posted photos of themselves with the bikes um but in that case they'll actually pull the photo down and like crop people out and then re- repost it without people inside of it so it's a very personless uh pursuit they you just want to see the That's bikes cool. yeah and uh they're also thinking of a way to do it that you don't even have to have a bike. Like if you feel like you could be identified by your bicycle, um, you could choose like "don't show my bike," and then it would like maybe insert uh, like a stock bicycle in in place of your fo- in place <laughs> of your bike or something like that. So, yeah, anonymity is a huge component of it, um, but it's also very like collaborative and open source in the sense that um, if you know how to do that kind of thing or are interested in getting your feet wet, you can contribute to. Um, the code that helps the thing run, uh, which is pretty neat as well. And so, yeah, I've just been playing a lot of bike tag because uh, <laughs> nice. I live, you know, actually within Portland city limits again, which means that most of them are pretty close as compared <laughs> to living in Milwaukee, where I'd have to bike 45 minutes and then bike another 30 minutes <laughs> to play bike tag.
2: <laughs>
0: right. Well, Armando, what are you up to?
2: Oh, it's uh, spring break. So, usually on spring break, I, I take yeah. the week off from work. Because my uh children are also on spring break, um, but they're skiing right now, so do you ski? I snowboard no I, kidding. Ha- I haven't in a long time though so oh, and, right and jean luc is using my snowboard, so I think it might be gone <laughs> but if but if I decide to if we go together, then one of us is going to have to get a new snowboard so right it will, it will it will probably be him. <laughs>
1: Really? So I mean, I would, really, he's just a hammer. I would
2: totally be
0: selfish. I would totally be selfish with it. Be like, well, you've been using that one, so I'm getting a new one.
2: <laughs> well, I, I think that, but I really like that snowboard, you know, and I, I picked it up <laughs> right for now. me. So, right, right.
1: He can he can pick
2: one up <laughs> for himself.
1: It's not a Lib Tech snowboard, is it? No, it's an Arbor. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, well, you didn't come here to listen to us talk about our weeks all week. Uh let's talk about tools. Um and we don't really have a huge format for this. Uh we will have like a queue session where folks have written in their advice about tools themselves. But sort of the origination of this podcast episode idea came from um, I feel like my attempt to create more of like a home mechanic sort of environment, um, because living in Milwaukee, you really aren't that close to many bike shops. And so, uh, just on the longevity sense, my bicycle just turned 10 years old and I figured why not, um, start acquiring some of the tools I need to give it a little bit of a 10 year anniversary overhaul, Uh, And not only that, to acquire tools in the way that would mean that I don't have to do so in the future, uh, either in terms of like breakage or incorrect tooling, Um, basically trying to distill my knowledge from working in a bike shop for seven years down to like the bare essentials of what I need to be able to do my own maintenance at home. And uh, Aaron has also had his fair share of home mechanic challenges and triumphs, and maybe some tribulations. Uh, I feel like we both have I had it. some tribulations.
0: I like to learn through my mistakes, but
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we all like the to learn from, is, through your mistakes,
0: right? <laughs> right? Right? Exactly. I hope Could I we can say that there are
1: learning opportunities abound.
0: Yes, yes, yes. The thing is, is like you know, I learn pretty. I'm pretty good at learning through my mistakes. The thing is, is I still make these mistakes in order to learn, but f- from them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and to, and to just learn in general, I think that, um, you know, it, there's this, uh, there's like an in-between, I think supporting local bike shops is great. Uh, you should support your local bike shops and on the flip side, sometimes local bike shops are backed up for like a month or two, especially, um uh, this time of year and with the increase in cycling. And so having the ability to, Either supplement or change out or replace or uh, upgrade components in a home perspective can be a really rewarding and um, you know in the long run kind of a cost effective way of staying in this um, the cycling groove, so to speak. Um, and so we just kind of wanted to talk about yeah, like our I guess our individual approaches to home mechanic, um, maybe recommendations for folks kind of getting into it like what should you get uh first and why and i feel like this should be like a shameless personal use plug i know we generally speaking uh prefer not to really rep brands or like names in our shows but i think we can probably make an exception for this one Um, and we'll just say like right up at the top uh we're super biased we like the tools we like and (laughs) if you like like a different tool uh, that's okay. Also, <laughs> you can like that tool. We're not saying yeah. that you should do otherwise. Uh, this, we're just this,
0: there's also a pretty broad line between saying like I really like this brand of a thing, and shilling for that brand.
1: You know, <laughs> sure, yeah, and like I'll say like my experience of what I use comes from breaking other things at the bike shop and in a shop context. <laughs> so, uh, I like to think that what I choose, generally speaking, I've chosen because uh, it's kind of risen above the the chaff uh chafe risen above the chafe chaff. 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 i think it's chaff Chaff. all right i'm gonna stick with chaff uh i think chaff is that I'll other get call thing. chaff is oh, okay. is oh okay well i've if i've you got, you got a i've got a brand name buddy. thing that can help with that too uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyway we're gonna talk about what like rises above the chaff and uh what 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 our approaches are so um without further ado aaron do you want to like give us the lay of the land. Like how did you get into the tools that you have presently? Uh, what's your approach? What's your tool philosophy from an Aaron standpoint and in general, uh, somebody getting to into home mechanics or a home mechanic standpoint as well?
0: Uh, well, one, I got lucky because I sort of married into a fortune of bike tools. Uh, <laughs> Anna being a bike mechanic um, by, by training uh, had plenty of tools. Already. So that helped. But even before we were together, I tinkered a lot with stuff. Uh, I think my first set of tools as far as like off the bike tools was a set of Allen wrenches. Um, and it was one of those like collapsible like Swiss Army knife where like all the Allen wrenches are folded in into one thing. And there was metric on one side and then imperial on the other. And it didn't take me long to realize I would never use the imperial side. I met married into figuratively, by the way, (laughs) we're, we're not married. (laughs) Um, Anyhow. uh, So that was maybe the first set of tools that I use. Um, You know, just a lot of the attachments are, are held on by, uh, Allen Bolts. Uh, and I think from there, you know, screwdrivers and stuff were, were just something that you kind of always, I always had anyways. Um, so I think from there I ended up getting like spanner wrenches, um, you know, cone, cone and cup wrenches.
1: Um, what are cone and cup wrenches for, Aaron?
0: Yeah, they are for... Um, Well, I don't actually use them anymore. (laughs) Uh, Therefore, the cone and the cup on the hubs of your wheels. So if you need to overhaul your hubs, there is what is called a cup on the hub itself, which is where the bearings sit in. And then there's the cone that sits, that sort of puts the bearings into the cup, like keeps them in there so that it spins correctly freely
2: correctly. See that would be a bike shop thing for me.
0: Yeah. Well it should have been a bike shop thing for me, but instead I muddled through it and now I've got a skill. <laughs> now I know how to do that stuff.
1: Those Conan Cups are um uh, those are a fun one. They're they're tricky.
0: Yeah. It's um it's interesting. I'll overhaul a Conan Cup hub all day long. I won't true my wheel. That's something I would rather a bike shop do. Mm, okay. I, yeah, I just don't have the patience for it, I think. That said, we currently have a truing stand <laughs> that I I have used occasionally.
1: Nice. Um when you're when you're looking at like sort of acquisition, uh what what drives that acquisition? Like why why the truing stand? Why the Conan Cup? Was it that you had something that you needed to repair and it just necessitated that, uh, kind of purchase.
0: Essentially. Uh, I remember getting the spanner wrenches because, um, I had to overhaul a hub and, uh, I think the shop I went to at the time was like, yeah, this is, we we can't do this. This is too bad. If we were to fix this, and then it breaks again, like that's, that's kind of on us and we don't want that to be on us. I totally get that. But also in the meantime, I didn't have the money for a new wheel. But I did have the money for wrenches. So, so yeah, I, I did it that way. I just, I bought bearings and then I, I overhauled all of that. Um, not exact. well, I guess this is a tool. A lubricant is a tool, and so here's the fir- here's my first plug and that is uh Phil Wood grease can't live without it.
1: Yeah, grease is good. Uh also from a home mechanic standpoint, grease is not the same as lubricant. So just be be aware. Uh oh, read gosh. your parts manuals. Make sure that what you are operating on is requesting grease if it is and yes. not requesting Sorry. lubricant.
0: Not, not uh not chain lube.
1: Yeah. Oh no no no. Oh, I, I just nice. am stating out as like a PSA because um, you know, looking at myself, uh <laughs> <laughs> I greased I greased my square taper cranks. I was doing a crank uh reinstall this summer. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh I do that, put huh? Well, I put way too much on and I I paid a little bit of a price. So yeah, read read the manual. They're great. Even if you've worked at a bike shop for seven years, uh, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's not. Typically, uh, the manufacturer's website will tell you. Uh, And I'll give a pro tip. I'm going to give a life hack for anybody that thinks that Phil Woods is just too pretentious to uh, pay $11 of a tube for. Uh, Phil Woods and most bicycle grease is essentially equivalent to marine grease and marine grease you can get at most sort of like marine stores uh, or if you have some places around that carry that kind of deal and uh, it's, it's uh, not cheap but it's a little bit cheaper than Phil Woods and gets across about the same message so yeah if you can't find any Phil Woods in your neighborhood or it's out of stock um, check out your um, aqu- aquatic no not aquatic check out your check out your marine store they might have something that'll help you out out as well Your
0: local marina or if you're in a landlocked country um check out something equivalent to that
1: go go borrow a boat and then look for grease on it and you're good to go (laughs) um yeah so like what would you say like what uh what have you purchased from a hill mechanic standpoint that you have later regretted uh what have you not purchased yet that you wish you would have
0: but later regretted honestly I can't think of a thing I have a few tools that I have that like kind of just sit but I I'm still glad I have like I have a whole tap and die set and like I think I've used it twice for what it should be used for I may have used it a few more times for things what it shouldn't be used for uh but I don't, yeah, I don't regret, per se, having that. Mm. Well, I will say this. I don't necessarily regret the tools that I've bought. Um, I do regret maybe cheaping out on some tools that have broken. And then realizing, like, okay, so now I got to buy, like, another tool.
1: mm mm-hmm. What, uh, what are those? What, what should people, what, what is worth the cost of the tool in your experience?
0: Allen tools. Definitely go for the, for the Bondus. There's another, there's another plug. Bondus I'm very, I'm very, uh, fond of, um, especially the ones where they have the little ball on the long end. So that way you can get in there at at the funny angles that sometimes you have to with bikes.
1: Oh yeah. I would. Totally concur also if you can't find uh that tool park tools makes a ball end oh yeah uh that are you, most of them up to size six or seven are under six or seven dollars, so yeah. pretty affordable nice. uh considering the life you'll get out of that tool
0: one one tool that is like on the horizon, it's like always just a little bit out of my reach or like I'll decide like yeah, I should really get that, and then like something else comes up and you know, I lose sight of it uh is not a tensiometer. That is for spokes. Um what am I trying to say here? The torque wrench. Walls? Torque wrench, yes, thank you all. Yes, torque wrench. So I know exactly like that I'm putting the right amount of torque on a on a on a thing, as opposed to over tightening, which I've done. And I broke my rear derailleur, like the actual metal that holds, you know, that, that is on the rear derailleur where like, you know, you tighten the bolt to, to pinch the, the cable to the, to the derailleur. Um, over time I had tightened it so much that that metal actually failed on me.
1: That sounds fun. No. (laughs) Sounds, sounds delicious.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um.
2: That was just on a, a derailleur adjustment? Uh,
0: Well, yeah, like over time, you know, you change your, your cables. So, you know, you tighten the cable. And then, of course, the cable's new, so that gets loose. So then you loosen that again, tighten the cable, tighten it back up. Um, also, I'm maybe a little bit more retentive than most people when it comes to cable tension. um, And so... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I think just over-tightening, over-tightening it over time uh caused it to fail. Uh, yeah, where was I going with this? I don't know. I'm gonna reverse onto to you, Guthrie, since you just started your home mechanic journey. uh first off, what was what was the thing what was the fix or the the maintenance? task that you you like made you decide okay I guess I'll just do this myself from from this point on or or whatever
1: oh yeah uh gosh I so I have a surly long haul trucker and it's the only bike I own uh but uh sometimes I do things to it which make me think that I need to replace parts and so I think at the start of in June so like half a year-ish ago now, I suppose, um, I really felt like I should probably replace my front fork because I've hit some things with the fork and I've endowed enough times that I started to doubt its integrity. Um, and instead of inspecting the crown race of the fork, I was like, you know what? I really don't want to like face plant going down a hill, so I'm just going to replace the full fork. Um, and so for me, like... I definitely approach it from a tool for the job and like slow over time. Like, for example, if you're sitting at home and you're like, well, I don't need to replace a fork. How is this show helpful to me? Well, think of think <laughs> of what you do need to do and think of the tools you need to accomplish that. Uh, if you go at sort of a like as it happens. um level into your tool collection it can kind of spread out the cost over time instead of being like oh i need to get this 360 part toolkit because then i'll have everything like i don't really i don't really dig that approach as much as buying like a really good tool for the job for the job that i have in front of me um so initially uh with the fork i actually just went to a bike shop and uh, i had them get the crown race set I paid them like 10 bucks and they set the star nut into the fork and, um, I was off on my way, but that kind of got me thinking more about, um, like how I could do more of that stuff on my own. And so that's, that's when I started really looking at it. Um, and I think the first thing that I picked up was just any tool from like a home mechanic standpoint that I know that I would have appreciated in a field repair sense, but didn't have the space or, um, like the the burliness of a shop tool versus like a road tool. So for example if you take your common like 19 piece multi-tool set, you've got like a chain breaker, you've got allen keys, you've got um, probably like a spoke wrench or that sort of thing Uh, like a Phillips and a flathead, maybe a Torx number five or something like that. Uh, So I got the ball and um, park tools Allen wrenches and those are fantastic. Just you know, your most common sizes like five, six and four, five, six, and then maybe like an eight if you need to be taking off crank bolts or something like that. Um and then from there, I basically overhauled my whole drivetrain like in stages throughout the summer. Um, so the only thing I didn't replace on my bike at this point has been the bottom bracket and um, that's like a project to be Um, but I got a I got the front fork and then I needed to get um, some disc brakes because it was a disc fork so I want to be able to stop a little bit better on my bike so I got um, like the park tools torques for being able to um, mount my disc brakes for that and then Tools that I really appreciate are tools that in a shop sense save time. And it's always it always sucks because like you're sitting at home and you're like, ah crap, this like third hand tool is like thirty dollars. Like I can't I can't possibly justify thirty dollars. But then if you think about like if you're paying yourself like twenty-five an hour to do these things, all of a sudden, like if you save one hour of time over six months for using a third hand tool, which basically in your derailleur scenario, that's going to hold the cable tension in a set location and it lets you work on the bolt without needing to have like literally three hands or a friend helping you. Um, so I go for like the convenience tools and I try to pick up tools that are going to help me get a job done faster and get a job done in like the same way that a shop might do it um, because for me, if, if I'm accumulating slowly, I think... I've been bitten too many times by that false sense of economy of like, oh, I'm just going to get like the cheapest thing I can. Like we'll go to the hardware store. We'll call it a day. Like that totally works for a lot of people. Um, but after just spending time in the shop, I I couldn't, uh, I had a hard time like going that direction because I want to get a tool and I want to get it like once and I don't want to worry about it breaking or having to like use it differently than intended because it like stops working halfway uh, through its lifespan or something like that. So for me, um, I got the third hand tool and I usually stock up on chains. So anything that you'd be able to like replace a chain with, um, most chains come with like, I just use the chain breaker on my multi-tool Yeah. Uh, that, I, that I ride with. That works fine for, you know, occasional chain changes. Um, and I gosh, yeah, so- I've got like most... Things for a home mechanic. Except, I think the only thing I don't, I haven't acquired at this point, is like a bike stand. That's next on the list. But I found the secret is knowing friends who have bike stands <laughs> and just giving them beer and uh, borrowing the stand for a couple weeks sure. has been workable so far. I've um, I've
0: gone a couple years just throwing my, you know, putting my bike upside down and, and working on. Oh
1: yeah, I, I'm kind of weird. Like, okay, so like if you ever see me reading library books, I'm like turning my head sideways because my brain can't process the titles unless my eyes are the same orientation as the spine and the same thing applies to bicycles. So I found that by using a stand, um, I screwed up like a hundred percent less because uh, usually like it's me craning my neck, like literally upside down <laughs> to be like, oh, okay. Left screw, right screw on the derailleur. Great. Uh, Otherwise I, I just like literally invert them and then I turn <laughs> the bike upright and I'm like, wait a minute, this is not, something is not right here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, money well spent. Autobike a bike stand that that might be the final purchase sure. i feel like i'll be a, sure. a true home mechanic at that point um uh, but those things are expensive so i've been holding off as much as i can
0: <laughs> they're pretty spendy uh if you can find a, a good like a quality collapsible one or, or foldable one uh we got one um i i won't necessarily say the brand name just because i've said too many brand names already but, um,
1: I give you permission if you want to Aaron. <laughs> is, it, is it red I think I think um, we'll be okay it's red okay
0: I I so now that you said that I actually just blanked on what the branding is <laughs> I'm sure right. I, there, there's people out there that are like oh it's red it's this brand um feedback <laughs> thank you feedback sports uh <laughs> yeah so, I, I got I got yeah, Lisa that. that
2: one for Christmas one year
0: great yeah um It's pretty hardy, and it it folds. I've actually carried it on my Bob trailer uh, to go work on someone else's bikes, plural, once.
1: I would say um, probably from a home mechanic standpoint, like the best tools that you're going to get are tools that help you not make mistakes. And so for me, that's measurement tools. Like you can have the mechanic stand... Or you cannot have it but if you measure 110 millimeters for a bottom bracket when we when you need 117 um full disclosure i did that earlier this summer by accident (laughs) uh because i was being a cheapskate and um i didn't have a digital or uh analog caliper so calipers not cheap but totally worth it
0: your imperial units measuring tape and then can uh, over to,
1: to I, I didn't measure actually, I went on oh. Surly's website and just looked at the numbers what? and took, completely I'm forgetting, kidding. of course, that uh, um I've put a different size bottom bracket on like five uh, years ago okay. so yeah, uh, I have a crank set that I can't use because of that mistake, so I'm waiting for <laughs> the chain rings I got for the current crank set to wear down, and then we'll approach that <laughs> uh, yeah, slowly, yeah. piece by piece <laughs> um so digital caliper i like i love the digital readout like you don't it doesn't need to be super accurate but as long as you can understand it uh that's good i highly recommend getting a caliper that works highly recommend getting some type of like six meter maybe three meter measuring tape in metric um also yeah, ways to measure diameter, ways to measure space, ways to measure distance. Like that's just gonna save you so much time over the long run in like buying a part that's more expensive than the caliper, but oh, it's the wrong part uh, or it's the wrong size part. So that was like a lesson learned for me. I was trying to go the cheap route, and it kind of bit me. Yeah,
2: I'd Do like you... to get a. I'd like to get a caliper. I don't have a that yet, and it's something. It's something I've come across. More often than not, not knowing, like for handlebars, what size are these handlebars? You know, what What am I looking for? And then, what you know, I have multiple bikes and I don't ever remember which handlebars are which size for which bike. Oh, like
0: like clamp diameter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to get those wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, hey, that just won't tighten up
0: at all. <laughs> just keep spinning around in the, in the stem. <laughs>
1: I have a, 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 I'm just going to throw down life hacks this episode. Uh, One life hack I like to use for all of that kind of information so that I can write it down and my human freaking brain doesn't need to remember it. Uh, On Bike Index, I just have really granular listings of the componentry on my bicycle. Uh, Granted, I forgot to put the bottom bracket on five years ago, but um, (laughs) But that's a great place to store that kind of stuff because if your bike gets stolen, it's already there. And uh, if not, you could just know what's on your bike at any given point in time. Oh, that's and an good.
0: interesting way to, like, yeah, to, like, make a reference point for it.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah, there's fields for everything. So I just, I just go really granular with that kind of stuff. Huh. Um, Aaron, you were talking about torque wrenches. I think torque wrenches are a painful pill to swallow, but I bit the bullet this summer and got the, it's like, I think it's like a 5 to f- 20. Newton meter torque wrench. And then Uh unfortunately you need another kind of torque wrench for crank bolts. So you need like a 50 to 80 Newton meter. Um, They are not cheap, but I did find that uh, the pro bike tools brand as compared to park tools was vastly superior. I'm going to say like not even same ballpark. They kick the snot out of the park tools ones. I wouldn't touch as park tools with a 10 foot pole. Now that I know that that brand exists. So, I'm going to be a bit biased and say the Guthrie choice is, um, you know, certainly not park tools for that particular component, but the Pro Bike Tools one, um, I've been like, (laughs) I've been pretty dang impressed with. Um, So, yeah, they're not cheap, but I trust that tool. And I feel like that's a tool that, as long as I understand how torque wrenches work, by the way, total disclaimer if you have a torque wrench, look up how to use it. Unless you can tell me exactly (laughs) how right now, I guarantee you, you're probably using it wrong.
0: This is a good point, though, about like knowing how to use the tool that you got, you know, really attention and and even reading instructions if if instructions are included.
1: Yeah, I mean, with with torque wrenches, like if you don't reset them to zero and store them in the case, uh, congrats. It's not a torque wrench anymore. Uh, See, you just won the wasted $80 lottery. Um, No way. Yeah, read the, read the instruction manual. Um, it, it's going to keep your tools that you invest in in good shape for years to come. So that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, bike, bike things, um, you know, it's, it's really tempting to just be like, oh, I know how to do this. I've done bike things before. But I found myself needing to pretty consistently refer to, like, YouTube stuff or just, like, double check my assumptions. Um, and that's how, yeah, that's my, that's my long-term strategy for keeping my tools in good shape. Um, cause that's why I got them to yeah. be able to use. Um, so yeah, under, understand, read the, read the manual. If you think it's something you'll forget, like write it down on the tool with a Sharpie or like write it in really big letters on the box that the tool is stored in your future self will thank your present self. I guarantee it.
2: <laughs> so Guthrie, you mentioned your bike is 10 years old and you mentioned it was a long haul trucker that I think that's correct. Um, which probably hasn't changed too much in 10 years i mean it's still a steel frame bike correct
1: oh like my bike in particular or the surly as a bicycle just that one in particular yeah oh the only original thing on my bicycle but i mean you could still buy them right yes. oh uh nope you can't buy the you can't buy the rim brake 26 or anymore okay yeah so you got to go oh, really Disc? i don't think so i think you can only buy the disc trucker these days Oh, I think you're oh, right. Yeah, I you think they what? stopped yes. that. Yeah, Yeah. as but- of like 2019, I think. Maybe 2020. Um, which is no biggie. Uh, I'm glad that I have disc on the front. I've replaced every single component on this bicycle at some point or other. Other than my cranks. Like the crank arm on my left and right are literally the only original component on this bicycle at this point. So everything else is like, I've either broken it or... Um, had some reason to replace it uh, here or there. But those those parts are pretty findable. It's a little bit harder to find um, long square taper bottom brackets for surleys I'm finding. Like you can find up to 110, 112 millimeter bottom brackets just fine. But if you need like a 117, boom, all of a sudden you're looking at like one of three options that are still manufactured. So that's a part that's not aged super well, in my opinion. 117
0: um, the bottom bracket width
1: or yeah, the width. Huh. So yeah, like if you need the offset so that your uh cranks clear your frame, you need like a I need a one seventeen for uh Vella Orange like cranks. And that's where I screwed up and like didn't measure because I didn't want to buy the uh calipers. So uh oh. Uh but yeah, there's there's only like one bottom bracket uh that is manufactured at the length that I need that's also the, I have internal cable routing that I I custom drilled my Surly. So I drilled a hole in the back chainstay. And then I like I like tooth loss thread, threaded my um, rear dynamo light, like all the way up to just underneath the headset. And then and I drilled another hole in there and I popped it out. So I have an internal cable routing on my rear light, which I love because I hate cables. Um, and I looked at the like fatigue, um, like diagrams for the surly frames. And it seemed like those were pretty inert places to drill holes into. So I just went for it. And, um, well, it's, that was like six years ago. So it's been fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm like kind of, uh, scared to crank open the bottom bracket. I think it's just going to be like a sea of rust, but, um, we'll, we'll tackle that probably before like July or something. Oh, I'm I'm just taking it one step at a time.
0: (laughs) So you've answered a question that I was curious about. Um, and that is, have you ever, uh, what is it, reframe savored your frame? Obviously, the answer is no, because you haven't taken apart your...
1: No, I haven't. I just tried to plug it with, um, I just tried to have it be a good gap. And I, I actually, I go back and forth because I didn't actually want to seal it. I sealed it on the back where the chainstay was, but I left a little oh. bit of a gap in the front of it. And my logic is that I have fenders, so there's no water coming up into that hole. And from a rain perspective, there's water coming down, but it's so close to the headset, it's it's probably not very much. And I would imagine that just the amount of wind that makes it into that little, like, millimeter hole, that actually probably dries the inside of the frame out more than it wets it. So right. that is my hope. Uh, I can post photos once we see what carnage lies. I, <laughs> basically, my, my concern, I don't want my frame rusting from underneath me. Right. Um, I inspect it, you know every six months, and I always inspect it before I tour. So far, it's looked okay. Um, But, yeah, we'll see. There's only one bottom bracket on the market, which is the Shimano BB-UN26 that has the clearance. Yeah, basically, I need another, like, millimeter of width around the bottom bracket shell, and the only one that has a step down instead of a straight tube across, like most bottom brackets, is the Shimano BB-UN55 and 26 except the 55 is not manufactured at 117 millimeters anymore. So I need the BBUN26, which mm-hmm. does. And it's a lower quality metal, uh, but it's the same bearings. So I take a bit of a weight penalty. Um, and it has a plastic uh, bottom bracket cup, but I just reused the cup from my UN55. So I've still got metal metal on each side. That's that's the real big one.
0: Right. Awesome. Um, Let's backtrack a little bit we'll go back to uh, to the tools Uh, so far we've been talking about tools in our collection tools at home Uh, tools on our bikes as opposed or I guess what I'm meaning is tools that we take with us Mm -hmm. Um, I guess maybe the same order of questions what was the first thing you you bought And decided, like, okay, I'm going to need this with me whenever I ride.
1: Yeah. um...
0: Guthrie, you've probably done more touring than I have. And you've certainly done more international touring than I have because I haven't done any. Uh, Was that maybe what prompted you to start getting tools to carry with you? Or was was it just, like, riding around and deciding, like, oh, I'm going to need some tools? And is there a set that you carry just riding around and is it, is there a set that you carry? Like, do you add to it when you decide to go on tour?
1: Oh, um, I carry the same set throughout. Like the only thing I might change for a tour is to add like more tires and more patch kits. Um, but that's probably it. Like I have a pretty, I, I've, I've got a long relationship with my bicycle and the parts on my bicycle that wear down. So sometimes if I'm touring, like, I'll kind of think ahead. And if I'm, like, I try to replace, I try to, like, get my bike into shape before I go touring so, like, so that I don't have to carry a chain, so that I don't have to carry, like, a, uh, like, cassette or something like that into the field. Um, I'll try to replace that component in the context of how the drivetrain wears prior to leaving. Um, the very first tool that I had in my bike kit back in 2009 um, was a Leatherman Skelly Tool CX, and uh, this is just a great like all rounder light tool. It gives you pliers, it gives you a Phillips and a flathead, and it also gives you, I think, like a knife. It's not a very, it's not actually very multi y as far as multi tools go, but it really covers um a good range of functions for you know what might get screwed up on a bicycle. So I really like having this with me because it's lightweight and then it doubles as my camp knife um when I need to. The other thing I carry with me at all times is some form of lubricant. Um, so just to keep my chain lubed up uh as I'm riding, like there's a there's kind of a saying if you can hear your chain, it needs lubrication. Um And, you know, don't, don't wait till it gets squeaky. If you can hear it a little bit, go ahead and do it. Uh, And then I carry um, some Pedro's tire levers. And I mentioned Pedro's specifically because I'm not a huge fan of metal levers, um, even though I do, do run kind of like harder material on my rims. Uh, I'm carrying two right now, but I need to pick up two more. I think that these ones are getting close to the breaking point. So I would really be sad if I needed to peel some Schwalbe marathon pluses off in the (laughs) middle of a desert. Uh, and I only had like one to zero tire levers. So I think I, I think I would carry like three to four tire levers minimum. Um, and then I have my patch kits. Uh, it says park tool, but it actually has Rima tip tops inside of it. I'm just reusing the box. Um, And I think we talked about those on a previous episode. And then I have uh, the good old trusty Crank Brothers uh, 17 function multi-tool, which has been a super, super solid performer for me over the years. Um, I keep waiting for it to break so that I can get something cool like Russ at Pathless Pedals recommends, um, like the Lezyne uh, multi-tool or something like that. And, uh, you know, it just hasn't broken yet. So um, (laughs) I'm going to keep using it. Uh, But that's been a solid standby for me. And then other than that, I carry uh, three tubes. And then I also carry a 700C tube or two. And that's mainly because um, I'm pannier riding. So if I'm around Portland and somebody gets a flat, um, even if they're riding a different bike than me, I like to be able to just be like, here, uh, I'm a 26, but this is a 700C tube. This should work for what you're doing. Just from like a... like it really sucks to get a flat tire and then just have to, like, walk home. So I try to be the person who carries 726ers. Um, maybe I should start carrying 650B. But I feel like if I wait long enough, 26 is going to come back into style. So <laughs> I'm right. just going to give it, like, another 20, 20 years, and I'm going to be killing for it. for life, man. <laughs> True story. True freaking story. <laughs> that's, that's funny you um, say that. Yeah, so that I carry that. About. And I also carry a bar end cap for my... Um, for my bar end shifter and what i found is on tour sometimes these can fall off and then my biggest concern is putting my, my bar end like through my thigh and i've seen photos on the internet they're not pretty i avoid this by having a spare bar end cap in case mine should happen to fall off or get like sheared off um in some fashion the only thing that is not in my kit that's actually in my bag, I carry two extra brake cables and I carry two extra shift cables at all times. They're just in my pannier. Oh, yeah. Because if I break a shift cable out in the middle of nowhere, I don't want to have to figure out how that goes. I want to just get a shift cable and put it in my system and be like, cool. (laughs) You know, it's not shifting great, but at least it's shifting. Um, So I highly recommend like extra cables. I know a lot of people tour with extra spokes, but unless you're a bike mechanic or you're somebody who's built wheels before... I feel like the spoke is something that people really recommend. But if you were to take somebody who's not built a wheel before and like throw a spoke at them, I don't know if it would go any better than just riding without the spoke. Um, So I used to have, I actually have spokes on my Surly right now. But they're for a wheel size that I had they're for for they're for a rim set that I had like six years ago, so I should probably <laughs> so at just at this take point, them they're
0: out. just decorative, yeah.
1: they are one hundred percent decorative <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, they're they it's actually rusted in there on the nipple, so oh, I've yeah. just been lazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I don't know if I'd carry an extra spoke because my wheels are built well enough that I it's like if i if I break a spoke, something is like way more wrong than me needing another spoke um that's it's just probably how I time see that. to
0: replace the rim by that time
1: i mean like it's probably a taco at that point who knows uh, yeah, yeah. i'm probably like off a cliff like hitting a spot <laughs> emergency locator beacon last thing i'm going to be thinking about is an extra spoke
2: <laughs> that's funny guthrie um, you mentioned carrying the uh seven hundred two in case you run into somebody that needed it um the multi-tool i currently have that same crank multi-tool but the one i had before had a chain breaker on it also and i think i've used it three times but never for myself it was always somebody else i ran into that had a broken chain that i had that tool that they could use so that was really oh interesting. yeah wait yeah so you yours, got a.
0: yours is the crank brothers m17
2: i believe it is, is it yeah big? they make
1: a 19 that's, a 21 that's and a 17 trifecta.
2: oh no it's just, well, let me
0: see all that one. three of us
2: oh no i don't have that one oh wait i don't think so what is that on the end
0: what is what on the end? That's the, so this, this is a chain breaker, this thing. That's your chain breaker right. slash, slash wrench yeah. slash spoke. I think I have that one. Yeah. Wrench. Mm-hmm. Like it's and it's got an nice eight access. mil and
1: a 10 mil, uh, for like standard, um, fender fittings and that kind of thing. That's a really handy one.
0: Um, oh yeah. The, the wrench. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you covered it. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, I've just thought of another tool. I think that any home mechanic should be really happy to pick up. And it's really cheap. Uh, they're like 10 or $11. Uh, that would be a chain checker. Because if you can't oh, check yes. your chain wear, then you won't know when to replace your chain. And I'm a fan of like higher cadence, uh, lower stress on drivetrains. And so, um, typically, there's a park tool one, and you'll have, like, everybody will, I think everybody has, like, a pretty strong opinion on, like, what chain checkers actually do, and, you know, like, this one checks the inner diameter versus the outer diameter, and, you know, da, da 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 I think, like, what I have found in life is that if I get the chain checker tool, and I just replace my chain when it's at the 0.5 mark, it doesn't matter whether I'm off a little bit, it just keeps my drivetrain happy. And so I can go through like three or four chains before I need to replace a cassette. And I can go through 10 chains and two cassettes before I need to replace cogs or um, the front chain rings on my bicycle. So I just replaced my front chain rings for the first time that I've owned this bicycle, like this summer, uh, which is...
0: Yeah, that makes yeah, sense.
1: You I have thought, pretty good odds. But if I you can't check, then you don't know. So
0: right. I thought there was something wrong. My very first bike that I had here I thought there was something wrong with my cranks or that not my cranks, sorry, my chain rings. And I was going to like replace them. And turns out it was actually just the rear cassette. Um, And the guy I was talking to was like, yeah, you don't really, you'll probably replace the crank as a whole before you replace like individual chain rings. uh, As far as like just using it as a commuter.
1: Hmm. I ride a lot on my middle chain ring and my upper. Um, uh-huh. the original, the original third chain ring is still on there actually, but I replaced yeah. the inner two. Um, and you just yeah. So there's that. There's like that kind of stuff. I I'm a huge preventative maintenance fan, so uh-huh. I tend to buy what I need to have like very forward looking preventative maintenance. Uh, a chain checker, um, you know that kind of thing is it's just like it. Pays itself back. It's the second that you like need to get a chain, and you're not like needing to replace a chain and a cassette and your like front chain rings because you left it too long or something like that. It's funny. I was Um, cracking
2: up because uh, there was a bike store employee that once told me he loops his chain, but that's it. He doesn't do any other maintenance on his chain because he just replaces it. The chains are cheap. He's just going to replace his chain and then rather than worry about it.
1: Yeah, chain wears first. Uh, it's the moving. It's the thing that moves and gets stretched left and right. So yeah, if you stay ahead on chain, you're gonna let the rest of your components last a really long time. I think there's some. I'm I'm like a I'm like a spend good money on tools when it's a tool kind of deal. But I'm a like replace chains quick and early because other parts are more expensive than that and, and yeah. they're hassle <laughs> to to do as well. Um, so there's there's that. Um, I think oh the last thing I didn't talk about that's in my repair kit is um a bike pump and i think our friends at clever cycles have a comment about this bike pump in particular um this is the toe peak or two peak depending Uh, on who you talk to uh this is their road morph and it's got both valve types um the pump in front of you is the same pump i've owned for almost as long as i've owned this bicycle so uh like (laughs) really like it it's light it's easy it's quick. Um, so yeah, cannot recommend the road morph series by Topeak, uh, highly enough. The one
0: with uh, the, uh, does it have like a little, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Like a foot stand. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's got the foot and it does have a gauge, but the gauge I think is only accurate, maybe like plus or minus 15 PSI. So I just go more by like eyesight and like yeah. deflection of the tire when I'm getting it close to the zone.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, my bag is pretty similar to yours. I think one difference that I have that um, you don't is, and I'll grab it because it's right behind me. What is this called? <laughs> uh, so it's it's essentially a, a, a tire lever for getting your tire back onto the rim. Um, there's a part that rests onto the rim and then a part that like grabs onto the tire bead and you essentially just crank the bead up until it, you know, there's always that, especially with Schwabies. there's always that last bit that doesn't quite get on the rim very easily. Um, And so this thing carrying around in my bag has been a godsend when it comes to, fixing flats while out on a ride.
2: Is that like a tire player?
0: Yeah. I don't think that's the actual name for it. <laughs> um, but Cool Stop is the only one I know that makes this tool. Uh I don't know if anybody else makes it exactly like this. Um I highly suggest anybody who has like tight fitting tires if you can fit this in your handle... Well, it fits in my handlebar bag, so it should fit in most handlebar bags. If you don't mind carrying around this large plastic plier-looking thing.
1: Highly it looks un- it. It looks ungainly, but, like, I got... I actually, I put on a brand-new Schwalbe Marathon Plus uh, like three weeks ago. Went out on the second ride and got a flat on it. And usually I'm like, oh. sweet, it's on there. Don't have to worry about it. But here I am, like, with my two pedro's lovers like cranking away at gateway green and i'm like shit i don't think i can get this thing off uh let alone on (laughs) Uh, so um yeah i would have loved that tool actually i might pick that up that seems like a fingernail saver yeah it took me half an hour to change a flat in front of all of these mountain bikers and i felt a little bit silly (laughs) cool stop tire bead jack
0: bead jack yes bead jack That's what it's called. Highly recommend carrying it around. If you, if you think you feel like carrying it around. Another thing when we were talking about tools in our, in our homes, in our home mechanic arsenal, I want to mention this by Pedro's. It is a, um, uh, cassette vice grip essentially. So it's got the like bottom end of a, a set of vice grips but then the top end fits around your cassettes and there's like little teeth inside the top end that the teeth of your cassette fit into and you get that, you know, tightened to the right tension. So it doesn't move. So when you're changing your cassette at home, it it essentially replaces what, uh, what the chain whip does. (laughs) Um, yeah, it replaces essentially what the chain whip does, which, you know, is it holds your cassette still while you get that bolt or whatever
1: loose. I will say for anybody who has ever used a chain whip, um, get the tool Aaron's talking about. Your knuckles will thank you. You yeah. won't need tendon surgery <laughs> because your knuckles yeah. went into your cassette. Um. Yeah, so like, I guess, yeah, we've covered most of it. Uh, Obviously our tools are a reflection of like the bikes that we own and the ways that we ride them. So take nothing in this as gospel. If you have crossover needs and there's something that we've talked about that either um, can serve as a recommendation within the same category or that um, fits your use case, by all means, uh, feel free. These are tools we use and have spent our own personal money on, and have uh, done our best to make them stand the test of time. Um, I would say, as like an overall view, if you're kind of just getting into this, um, YouTube is your friend, and make yeah. sure to watch like several videos about how to do these things. Get some informed opinions, and um, then use your critical thinking cap and uh, ask yourself, you know, does this apply to my situation, and is this the way that I think I can solve this problem in the you know most realistic fashion um if you are just getting into this let's say like for me for example i started from my kit uh in terms of what i carry with me on the road and i and i use the road kit as i was getting into the home mechanic stuff um you can get into this for pretty cheap all things considered uh, especially if you start comparing it to what it would cost to do these at a bike shop every year Um, And my recommendations would be, you know, get the best tool that you can afford for the job that you're trying to do. You don't need to go out and buy the 250 piece mechanic set as like enticing as that is. Um, And it's nice too, because you don't have to like stick within the same brand category. Like, for example, let's say Pedro's makes great tire levers, but I don't know, maybe they have really bad um bike grease, you know you can use fill wood or marine grease instead, um so try to avoid like brand loyalty, but at the same time uh some brands you know can solve certain problems and their approach is different than others, and that's what sets them apart within the market and from a general sense, try to get the most try to get the most utility out of your tools as possible. So that's why I think measuring tools are really great economy. Cause let's say you spend that 40 bucks on a digital caliper. Well, guess what? The next time you need to measure anything, you can use that digital caliper. So all of a sudden it's not just a bike tool. You might've gotten it for the bike. Uh, but now you find that you're measuring cabinet width and, uh, you know, like the width of a ice cube tray or something, you know, like you never know what you can use these things for, but measuring tools I think are a really great economy because you can just apply them across so many different disciplines. So I really like spending big in the measuring category just because I know I'm going to get a lot of use out of the tool over the course of its life. From there, go into bike specific and um, basically make a list of what you want to pay a shop for. From a you know convenience standpoint, you know, could I buy a crown race press and set my own crown races? Well, sure I could, but the tool's four hundred bucks, and it takes a bit of knowledge and know-how. I can go pay a shop, especially that second part. Yeah,
0: especially that second part.
1: Emphasis on the second part.
0: (laughs) That. If you're buying a $400 tool, please learn how to use the $400 tool first.
1: Yes, you'll thank yourself.
0: Maybe speaking from
1: experience. I think we're both speaking from experience. (laughs) (laughs) I think think I've wrecked my fair share of tools by just thinking that I knew how to use it. Yeah, know how to use your tools. Yeah. you know, do some research. There's no one single tool for the job. Find what fits, like, what makes sense to you and what you'll feel comfortable using. Um, for any tool above $100, I, I'd say, like, see what it costs a shop to do it and see how often you expect to do it. You know, like I said, it's not it's not going to make sense to buy a tool that's $100 if you use it twice every, like... Uh, decade um, but if you're using it like over two to three times a year then that starts to make a really good value proposition if you yeah. plan on continuing to ride that tool is going to pay itself off by year three or four and then you're just going to be a happy 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 camper uh, for the next six or seven years provided you know technology doesn't run away from us so yeah. that that's like my guthrie advice on acquiring tools and how to go about it
0: um it's also worth mentioning depending on the, the size of the town or city that you're living in, you might be able to like go to your local bike co-op and, you know, for a nominal fee, use their stand, you know, rent stand time, or even use, you know, some of the tools that they might have. Um, I built my disc trucker uh, with great help from the bike farm and, um, renting stand time and their tools, uh, I didn't have a crown race press, you know. I didn't have uh, I don't even know the name of the tool, but the tool that requires or not necessarily requires, but the tool that keeps your saw straight when you're cutting your your um steer tube on your fork. Saw guide. Saw guide. gosh, that sounds obvious, right? Um I didn't have any of those. Um so yeah, if you want to like get into like the more specific very bike specific tools, um maybe check out if you have a local uh bike co-op that you know might be worth um or they might uh you know share time with you, you know, like either for a nominal donation or for like volunteering time. And I mean, anybody who wants to volunteer for a bike co-op freaking do it man you get experience and they could always use the help
1: and it feels really really good after you finish off a volunteer shift yeah um sweet well i think it's a part of the show where we go into uh our social medials and it looks like we got some great (laughs) recommendations on twitter and the instas uh we asked earlier today sort of what tools you recommend um, from a home mechanic standpoint and also what tools that folks recommend from uh on-the-road section. Um, so maybe we'll just take every other and go down the list here. By the way, thanks for your recommendations. If you have recommendations based on what we talked about during this show or any time in the future, feel free to give us a shout at the Sprocket Podcast. Call or text 503-847-9774. Or
0: Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast.
1: All all Wait, of those you said just that already. You're good. <laughs> it didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> from Twitter, Hallie Weavers, at Bicleptic, says, "I carry a big old satchel of tools, tubes, patches, etc. But not. Let's not forget a little ziploc baggie with emergency bus fare. Because some days, well, you're just not into fixing issues on the road or in a time crunch. That's a super good tip, by the way."
0: If you got a place, like, in a in your handlebar bag or in a paneer or whatever where you could hide cash um, while you're touring, that's also, like, kind of a life hack because, you know, say you have your bags in, off your bike, you're camping or whatever, or you, like, leave your bike unattended but you have your bags on you, someone takes your bike, you got some cash to maybe help yourself out to – trying to get home a little bit easier.
2: I kept a little, I kept a $5 bill in my uh, seat peg and I I ended up using it for a tire boot actually. (laughs) My tire started splitting. So that was nice.
0: Uh, Maddie Carlson at family ride tells us, I love having a floor pump at home. And since I drive a cargo bike, I sometimes bring my floor pump to go and though that's usually just to show off or be extra efficient on group rides that I'm leading. Yeah, we didn't really talk much about pumps. Uh, do you keep a floor pump at home, Guthrie, or do you just use the your hand pump?
1: Um, I just use my hand pump on the 2 Peak Roadmorph for a 26 by one75 tire. It takes me about 40 to 60 strokes to get it up to about 80 PSI, and that sounds like a lot, but I can do that in about 30 seconds. So I I think I'm just really practiced with it. Um, That that comes with time and getting to know the tool. I have been on the market for a floor pump, but I'm kind of waiting. I don't know. We'll see. In this next three months, I hope to be a person who has two bikes for the next two decades. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, You know, dreaming is free. But part of that dream is that I'll have a fat bike or maybe a more gravel-oriented bike that has um, tubeless capacity. And so I'm holding off on a pump because I want to get a bike first and then get one of those ones that has the like quick switch air chamber to be able to quickly seat tubeless. Um, I can't really justify that without having a tubeless bicycle, so thus I use my, uh, I use my hand pump. Uh,
0: f Baum. Forest, sorry, Forest at F Baum says, "I found a thrift store torque wrench. Ooh, lucky you! And thought cool, but I'll never need that, so donated it to the tool library. And then this happened: photo of broken saddle clamp. Oh no! Yep, yeah, over tighten that uh that that seat clamp there.
1: Less is more, or you know, uh, this is another one. If you don't." like let's be real torque renters are not cheap um you can pay or just like walk into most shops and like buy a sticker or whatever like i don't know it depends on the shop depends on your relationship to the shop but like when i've been out on tour and i've got to like go through a part usually i'm like hey like can i buy your sticker or like pay you five dollars to check the torque on this and usually they're like yeah sure um so you know don't have to have the tool necessarily. Uh, there's a lot of bike shops out there nice enough to do that for you for a nominal fee. Um, uh, that saves you a whole, you know, whatever breaks in the meantime. So I can empathize because I too have done stuff uh, over tightened. To <laughs> I've stripped out threads on so many things by accident. So less is more. Uh, our friend right. Tim okay. Mooney over at Pedal Shift Project says this is date. Hey, by the way, hi Tim. Feels like it's been a while. Where have you been at? Are you still in DC? (laughs) We should talk. Um, This is dangerous. Tim says, this is dangerously close to being a Life Hacks episode. Oh, it is a Life Hacks episode, Tim. And we're Uh, going to talk about how the sausage is made. (laughs) Yep. Just kidding. It's a Life Hacks episode. Life hack. Tweet at Tim Moody and he'll give you his uh, excellent opinions at home. (laughs) Old school floor pump, like inflate your tire in six pumps kind of action on bike Leatherman. Yeah. yeah. Or faux Leatherman. Like I have multi-tool. I use mine the second I get to camp to the second I pedal off. I'm right there with you, Tim. I use my Leatherman for pretty much everything. I kind of hated that tool at first and it's the oldest tool that I own. Uh, You know, basically 10 years later. So I, I think it, it's stood the test of time. Ultimately speaking,
0: uh, Sean Martinez at rescue you, by the way, thanks for coming over and visiting Sean again. I carry this one ten vac outlet tester with me. Wait, say what outlet tester <laughs> always on the hunt for e-bike charging. Oh, right, right. Okay. So that makes sense. Uh, public power on those long rides. Yes. I never really thought about that. Like, You're going to need to charge your e-bike if you have one.
1: Mm -hmm. That's a good pickup. And those aren't super expensive. You know, for our VAC testers out there, the real question is whether it has GCI shielding detection or not. Uh, But we'll leave that to another episode.
0: That that went way over my head, and that's fine.
1: (laughs) Jason Oftenberg says, uh, Master Link pliers at home, multi-tool, tire lever, and pump on the road. Cargo bike lets me take more tools than I probably need to.
0: So I'm I'm like this to some extent when it comes to tools, especially touring. It's better to have it and not need it. Obviously, I'm not going to carry like a whole pedal wrench on me, but um, I often will take more than I necessarily need.
1: I've carried a pedal wrench on tour before.
0: That, that somehow is really on brand for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey you never know it's a thin it's a thin thing that just disappears in one of my four panniers what could possibly go wrong
0: <laughs> Right,
1: right. <laughs> you know i mean gosh i should just start touring with cast iron and then i'll be a real punk
0: that's right i oh yeah wait i do that True punk. Yeah.
1: Punk <laughs> also, also on brand. I feel like we're on brand in our, in our own personal ways. Quite. <laughs> Armando's just sitting here like cracking up. You can't see it, but it's great.
0: <laughs> um, I apologize for mispronouncing your name. Natifa van seeker, suker at Luke wanderer, fixed gear. OFS. Oh, that's, that's a fixed gear uh tool, I I'm assuming. Yes.
2: Yeah, I included what the photo is... because it I I'm assuming it, since it says fixed gear on the image. Uh or fixy. It says fixy. It has a a wrench. Right. A wrench. Uh it has a a mul uh that little diagram with a multi-small bolts, I guess. And Small then...
0: bolt, large bolt.
2: Well then that little slot looks like an adjustable wrench for different sizes. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what the the big thing is that for. Is that for your crank or your cog?
1: I don't know. It feels like that is to get the uh the, the one on the right side, it's got that little hook in it. That mm-hmm. reminds me of the lock ring for yeah. the uh yeah. Yeah, yeah. But see the inside tool? There's like different spacings. Yeah. That's uh-huh. also That's like a seven-tool tool tool right there. That's pretty cool. It is cool. And then a a bottle opener. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I wondered if that's (laughs) what that was on the end there.
1: Uh, verse cycle person biking, Carolyn Burrows, memo and poet, memo, poet, and writer at verse cycle says I enjoyed using my chain splitter from a fab to peak emergency repair kit on a friend's bike to repair hers. When it snapped back when friends could meet for bike rides, I haven't found tire levers that can get Schwalbe marathon plus tires to cooperate with them. Carolyn, uh, check out Pedro's if they have them. Uh, and it still takes three of them. So get four just in case.
0: <laughs> seditious Canary at Seditious Canary. My favorite tool is a workbench slash space. Having a dedicated place to work on things really helps you speed through repairs when all your tools are organized and have a specific place. I can get right behind that. Mm-hmm. Um up until Anna and I got together, all my tools lived in two buckets, and uh it probably took my repairs twice as long as they do now because now they're nice and organized, and they live in a rolling craftsman cart
1: ooh life goals
0: yeah we're, we're I'm very Proud of that purchase, actually. I like it.
1: <laughs> Byron Patterson at Byron Powered says a tie between my two-peak multi-tool and my mini floor pump. Uh both have helped me countless times. The mini floor pump has a pressure gauge and pumping with gravity is the best.
0: At home I do like the floor pump. <laughs> uh, go dig a hole. Hey, how's it going? Go dig a hole. I'm pretty minimal with on bike tools, multi-tool tire lever, and Tube go with me on most rides. Pedal wrench and chain splitter usually stay home, along with lube, degreaser, and
1: grease. Fair enough. Uh, go dig a hole. Also, just released a new episode uh, earlier this week. I saw so, that. Yeah, excited to get to listen to that one.
0: Um, what is this degreaser you speak of? I, I have never
2: heard of this thing.
1: I don't know. I know that need to degrease
2: at all. Oh, for your when you to clean your chain, your chain degreaser.
1: Yeah, like the the, like the pedal through degreaser. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I I understand. I was a bit thick at first, but now I understand. Okay, so I'm going to
2: ask you guys because there is is there there must be because I have heard it uh, specific lube for dry weather versus wet weather and then chain lube that is waxy and why you would use that instead.
1: There is, um, in my like honest, just real life experience, I've not found too much of a difference in summer versus winter lubricants, uh, other than like the crud and buildup factor. Um, I've used, you know, summer winter versions of four, large name brand lubricants. And I've honestly found that the summer one just applied liberally in the winter works the best. Um, I do like my banana flavored
0: um, Uh, lubricant, uh,
1: which I'll leave unnamed, but it's the one that smells like bananas. Uh, And I could say that like as cool as Boeing aerospace engineering is, uh, I've had no end of just trouble with gunking up with their T9 lubricant. I, I just stopped using it. Uh, so, yeah, go with, the, go with the good old Triflow Banana Lube, and in the winter, just put more of it on. Um, I feel like if you're a frequent rider, that's, that's what's done me proud through, you know, this many years of Portland winters.
0: So it's interesting because I love my T9 lube.
1: Ooh! But, all right, but, fight, fight, fight. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: But I will confess, like the uh, the jockey wheels, I have to I have to make sure I'm cleaning those pretty regularly, and by which I mean, like, eh, I don't know when I get to it, they do yeah gunk up.
1: Yeah, they they totally gunk up. I I I couldn't stand that personally. I was just like, I'll take my chain getting a little squeaky a little earlier, and I'm just gonna just hose it with Triflow and call it a day. And I don't know
0: if this is like wet weather versus, uh, dry, dry weather so much as, um, well, I guess it is wet weather versus dry weather, but it's, to me, it's like the amount of dirt that gets on my chain is more during wet, wetter weathers because it's like splashing up and, and whatnot. So I do use, I think currently I have uh fill wood natural oil, um, in the winter uh, and that's again. It's because it gets dirtier, so it's gonna gunk up more if I'm using T9 anyway.
1: I feel like T9 necessitates the purchasing of a cassette brush yeah. and cassette cleaner. Uh so you kind of want to get two you, for one if you, don't you go that just
0: route. Use an old toothbrush.
1: Um, I just don't use T9. <laughs> Touche. Uh, let's see here. Joshua F says compressor. Um, yeah, a compressor is a good home thing to have. As in, like, air compressor? Yeah, I would assume so. If you, The trick is sure, to get man. a big enough compressor <laughs> wow. that it's not kicking on. See, but that's a, that's a multi-purpose tool. If you need that's air true. for other things, compressors are pretty nice at that. Um, I find with compressors, try to get the one that has uh, really good pressure regulation. Like, I love a good compressor, but if it's turning on every five minutes, that thing's got to go. So... Get a compressor that it can last for at least half an hour between activities and, um, life is pretty good.
0: Um, sunny rides bikes on Instagram says three rencho is a must for the PB and J sandwich or biking
1: <laughs> priorities. I think a PB and J sandwich is a mandatory repair tool. It repairs your stomach and your state of mind.
0: That's right. For the longest time I was actually swearing by the, uh, uh, what I call the PBH2 and that's peanut butter, hemp powder and honey.
1: Nice. Beth Hammond says park mini chain tool. CT dash five is strong, durable and works as well as or better than big shop tools. Yeah, that's a good tool.
0: Skinny Rook, no specific brand slash model, but a work stand at home and a pump on the bike because I seem to get more flats on the days that I forget to slip the pump into my bag.
1: Golden rule. (laughs) We've all been there.
0: Haven't had flats all year. I just keep my pump Mm. in my bag.
1: Bingo. (laughs) Todd Grosbeck says my favorite tool is the next one I buy. uh, (laughs) A tongue face. But seriously, my bike repair stand is my favorite tool.
0: Clever Cycles. Hey, Clever Cycles. Big fan of the Topeak Morph series of pumps. Oh, look at that. Basically shrunk down versions of frame pumps. I agree with Skinny Rook that I get more flats when I'm unprepared.
1: Mm -hmm. And Botany by Bike says, Axiom Corker for wrenching, for partying, fire emoji, hands emoji. Also, my chain wrench made out of half of a shirt, shart, slip, joint, Pliers and old chain. I'm going to assume there's a spell correct thing going on here. So uh, instead of what's a slip joint pliers? I need to look that up. Well, Aaron talks about something.
0: Um, I don't know what a slip... I don't even know what an axiom corker is. Oh, it's a multi-tool.
1: Oh, yeah. It is. It's not channel lock, Um, but it's like a two-setting pliers. Like when you think of just pliers, that that is a slip joint plier. Got it, got it. Is what it looks like. Um, cool.
2: Oh, and I looked that up reminds the uh, me. I looked up the fixie tool and it that is actually a specific um Pedro's tool. It's a Pedro's oh, multi-trixy fixie tool.
0: Pedro's comes through again. A
2: seven function tool. Oh, cool. I've, nice.
0: I found this tool on the side of the road and I also recommend keeping one of these and it's a tiny little
1: Oh yeah, I have one of
0: those. Crescent wrench.
1: Mm-hmm. always test anyway. your crescent wrenches if possible get the crescent wrench that has less play rather than more you'll thank yourself do true um sweet those were all great suggestions thank you so much everybody who wrote in i feel like we went a couple of weeks with very few comments and then we just said tell us your tool choices and we got a whole cascade <laughs> of people we replying the,
0: we got all the comments
1: All the comments. Um, Well, we'll be good till next year with comments. We still have more.
0: Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Thanks for your comments. So Todd Grosbeck came back as well as far as what do you carry on your bike? And he says, everything I need to change a flat, Uh, which is interesting because our friend Jeff Everett says what he carries is tubes. I'm not patching it. Ain't nobody got time for that. Our uh, executive producer, or ex-executive, ex-executive <laughs> producer, uh, Brock says, Park Tools bottle opener.
1: Wait, you're not supposed to just use your teeth?
0: <laughs> so I used to do that as a kid, and incidentally, the only cavities I've had as an adult are in that set of teeth that I used to crack open bottles with.
1: Oh, goodness that's a fun mental image
0: (laughs) so uh yeah maybe don't use your teeth
1: copy that (laughs) just for just for getting coconut husks off roger
0: (laughs) there you go bike poc pnw says i'm going to guess this is uh for home mechanics a quality set of metric allen wrenches highly agree oh for sure in fact yeah if you are wanting to start your home mechanic journey, I cannot recommend more that getting a set of metric allen wrenches is probably the best place to start off.
1: I actually just carry a number five that's like a mechanic home set. I just carry it in my in my handlebar bag at all times.
0: That's I did that for a while. Um, I was having some issues with my brakes my brake levers coming loose and your multi-tool number five is not going to get down in there and reach that bolt to tighten it.
1: Indeed. Um Sweet. Well, if you have other suggestions, feel free to chime in. Um Just kind of in summary, like again, we've mentioned a lot of names and brands and this kind of thing. Uh Be a smart cookie, choose the tool that you like the look of. Uh, and the kind of cool thing is that no brand is any better than anything else. Uh, If they've learned one thing about this industry over my time in it, it's that some companies make some things really, really good, and no company makes everything well. So um, pick and choose. Find find what works for you, for your use case, and um, what makes sense to use based on how you like to use things. Make yourself a happy camper and uh, invest in yourself. Get those skills, and we'll uh, see you out on the road when it's safe to do so
0: the sprocket podcast is produced at home until we can gather safely indoors remember indoors with other people
1: huh our website is the
0: email to thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com
1: call or text 503-847-9774
0: twitter and instagram at sprocket
1: podcast thanks to ryan j lane for our theme music hurt bird for our headline sounder Marcus Norman for graphic design.
0: And thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners.
1: Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson.
0: Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney. Thanks for writing,
1: Tim. Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss.
0: Doug Cohen Miller, Todd Parker, Chris Smith.
1: Caleb Jenkinson, JP Kewley, Peanut Butter Jar Map.
0: Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado.
1: Drew the Welder, Anna, Andre Johnson.
0: Happy birthday, Anna. King of Division, Richard G. Guthrie Straw, who is on the screen right in front of me.
1: It's a lie. It's just ones and zeros. Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of The Regrainery.
0: Campsite, Mac Nurse David, Nathan Poulton.
1: Rory in Michigan, Jeremy Kitchen, David Belay. Tim Coleman,
0: Harry Hugel, EJ Finnerin.
1: Brad Hipwell, Thomas Skato, Keith Hutchinson,
0: Ranger Tom, Joyce Wilson, Ryan Tam,
1: Jason Oftenberg, Microcosm Publishing, David Moore,
0: Todd Grosbeck, Chris Barron, Chris Barron,
1: Chris Barron, Chris Barron, Sean Baird, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite,
0: Ryan Morrow, Dude Luna, who is also on a screen hey, right mate. in front of me, Emma Rooks, Ca-caw.
1: Ca-caw. Marshall, Paula at Funatake Cyclecraft
0: Philip M. Spartan Dale, no relation
1: Mr. T. Who Never Really Left Bike Initiative, Kiwana, Sarah G
0: Adam D. Go Dig a Hole Beth Hammond, thank you both for writing
1: Greg Murphy, Myra Martinez, Ozo Isaac M. David Christensen, 503 Byron Patterson, Kristen Graham Aaron G. Rachel Moline
0: And welcome back to our newest returning donor,
1: Jimmy Diesel. And to all of our former donors who helped us get this far. Now, wash your hands. And wear your mask.